everybody welcome to soul story a through the breach actual play podcast set in the world of malifaux today we're doing something a little different god i hate the sound of my voice right now it's really good shut up who boy who <laughs> um i'm sick as hell well recovering sick but i sound way worse than i feel so you all get to hear this as i do this very special Tutor tuesday episode of alex dm tips but you know It'd be boring if it was just me, so I enlisted help, and that help is Spencer. Hello. Hi, Spencer. Hello, everyone. God, I might sound healthier than you for once. Or you <laughs> sound healthier than me, vice versa. Fuck. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> Bazinga. All right. So, um, it was requested a while back that, you know, hey, Alex, you seem to know a lot about DMing, you fools. It's not. It's just me making it up as I go. But uh, I, I have some questions that I've heard in the past that I figure I would help to current DMs, or I say DMs because I come from a D&D background, but uh, Game Master, I guess, is the general neutral term for all RPGs. GMing uh, for you know people who have been doing it for a while, people who are looking to get into it for the very first time. So... We're hoping this is fun and useful, and Spencer's going to help me out by asking me these questions. I'm going to help so much. I believe it. And maybe you'll have insights too, or at least you can poke my brain if you're like, hey, tell us more about this shit. And I'll be like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Alex. Yes, Spence. The people want to know, <laughs> how, how on earth, how could you possibly <laughs> prepare for a campaign or a session? Okay, but now you're just making making it sound like a big a big deal. I'm gonna fight you. Uh, so, how on earth could I possibly plan for this impossible her- her- Herculean? Nope, nope, that's not a word. Anyways, uh, so I firmly believe planning is the best thing you can do as a DM. You can go whim improv and that is perfectly fine people do that kind of gaming style all the time and people have a lot of fun but i feel like if you want to have a long-lasting campaign the best thing you can do is prepare so it's been mentioned before the binder tm i am going to post pictures of my binder at least portions because if i showed you guys everything you'd see spoilers for the rest of season one and uh, i would say that the binder is a tradition that's kind of handed down to me a lot of fucking game masters have a binder. Usually they use it as their DM screen. They keep a few notes in it. But like my dad and I, it's on point. There are tabs. There are sections. There's predetermined information in there. There are maps. It's not just like, oh yeah, here, Bob Joe, here's your hit points. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Just like I tend to go to the tens with it because I am a monster and I have a disease. And it's really important to me to have all my information in one place. What usually gets cut out from the audio is me rapidly flipping through it at times. Um, as someone in the cast asks a very important question that I know I have notes for somewhere and there. So I think by having notes down that you know uh, 
where you want the world to go, what you want to see happen, what your players did last game. Because if you're like me and you forget all the fucking time, that shit's important. Write that shit down. Keep it in a binder. There's also a difference between preparing for like a pre-constructed game and a homebrew game. Homebrew meaning something that you have made completely off the top of your head and a pre-constructed being something that you'd buy in a shop, right? A pre-published book, super handy. I can't recommend those enough. They have everything you could possibly need to get started. It's the whole story. You don't have to think too hard besides keeping your players on track. I haven't done a pre-con in a very long time, but I think they're really important for people who are just starting out because you don't know what the fuck the game's about. Unless you've been playing for 10, 15, whatever years, and you know the game backwards and forwards, you've never DM'd before. If you're brand new to a game and you've never DM'd before, get a pre-con because it will show you exactly the kind of rules and formats and checks that will be needed, which you can use as inspiration for your own homebrew game. As far as preparing for a homebrew, that's a whole other question, and I know it is, so I'm just going to leave that off to the side. My last like real pro tip, though, uh, it goes with the whole planning thing. My favorite thing that I just kind of thought was like, oh, why don't I do this? There's no reason not to do it. Pre-do your initiative for your monsters, guys. It's going to save you a headache later down the road. It's one less number you have to do later. Just have it written down next to your pre-made monster card, because I also promise you having a pre-made monster card versus digging through a book is infinitely better. It is way more fun for you as the DM to not have to have your nose in a book constantly throughout the game than say, oh, wait, guys, hang on. I have something for this every other 15 minutes. And I think that covers how I prep. Wow. Enlightening. All those other <laughs> DMs don't have their shit together. Oh, God, it sounds so bad. Like uh, It doesn't sound bad at all. It kind of does. Like Everyone has their own gaming style, and that's super cool. And Moose is going to have his own DMing episode, for instance. And he mm. is someone that I, I know prepares, but he doesn't prepare like me. And he'll just show up and be like, all right, let's do this. There's like no notes. There's no nothing. And he's just able to fucking go for it. And it's the most impressive thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm not that person. I'm way too neurotic. And I have to have everything like right in front of me. Goodness. Goodness gracious. Okay, this one. This one comes from my, my, my fucking, my very own flesh and blood. <laughs> This one, this one is coming from my little brother who uh, snuck into the Discord. What do you recommend for someone trying to transmute themselves into a game master? <laughs> I wanted to make a Full Metal Alchemist joke, but I'm not quite healthy enough to like fully get that joke out there. No, that's mm -hmm. there in subtext, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm going to hammer back on the thing of plan. Plan, 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 plan. Uh, plan until you're fucking sick of planning. And then prepare to throw that entire plan out the window because within five minutes, your players are going to change everything. However, the nice thing about planning is that means you're going to be an authority on the world that you're playing in. Whether that means you have read, reread the rulebook, whether that means you have read, reread the story, whatever it is you're trying to tell, there's no such thing as over planning. And while it will be incredibly frustrating, when when they ignore this nicely crafted story you've made. You still will know so much about the world around it that when they decide to take a left turn, you won't be surprised. Because you'll be like, all right, well, I had that thing planned. I also know what's going on over here. And I think that's like the real key to planning is just having this knowledge of the world that you're playing in. And that way your players never feel lost because you're never lost. Now, where, now you last question, you mm -hmm. talked about how you would start with 
something like a prefab, like picking up Curse of Strad or some mm. awful shit like that. Hey, 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 you leave Curse of Strad out of here. <laughs> Do you still hold to that? Is that where you would recommend someone just getting into it should start? Just picking up a book and prepping and going for it? Yes. Books, the pre-cons are so nice, guys. Like You might think, I really want to do this world, and you totally can. But I promise you, after doing one or two pre-cons, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable in guiding your own world. Hmm. I'm trying to think. My first pre-con game was Forge of Fury. It was a 3.5 pre-con, and it was a lot of fun. But it, it does stuff like... Sometimes it's just knowing when to ask for checks. It's Sometimes it's the the precons would be like, oh yeah, hey, do a grapple check. This is how you do a grapple check, by the by. And it, it goes through the, the motions of explaining what each of the things are because the precons are assuming you're not an experienced DM or that you're not really an experienced table. Particularly if you're fighting a precon that's like between levels one and five, they're going to be really geared towards new player-friendly tables as a whole. Another really important thing I think new people should know is that story should always trump rules with the big old asterisks. It comes with balance. Everything in this world comes with balance, right? Moderation. You don't want your players walking over you either because I promise you that shit gets old real, real fast. Unless you're the kind of person that just is totally there for them to do whatever the fuck they want to do, this advice isn't for you. You just keep doing you, boo-boo. If you want to allow them to do some crazy fun stuff, great. It's always good to have some boundaries because people tend to respect boundaries anyways. And for like myself, I know a big boundary I have is I'll let people do a good chunk of stuff. However, the moment I get a whiff of it being an unoriginal thought in the sense of I saw this in a comic strip, I saw this in TV, I saw this on Critical Role, I'm like, ah, 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 nope. Because it does not feel unique to the character. It feels like something you want to relive, which at certain tables, that's fine to live out, but at my table, that's a no-go. Mm. Uh, and that kind of goes hand in hand with sometimes people are able to come up with really good ideas, but it's also hard to justify in character. And since I tend to run pretty role-play heavy games, I'm like, you know, it's cool, but why would Joe Schmo know that? And they're like, shit, I don't know. I'm like, okay, if you can't justify it, mm. I'm not going to allow it, which gets some people very butthurt. And uh, makes me seem like a mean DM at times, but you know what? If it means saving the scene, goddammit, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I know there's been times, like, it's just like uh, having a player at a table that knew chemistry and we were in the sewers. Not not the sewers, a different sewers. I just like to hang out in sewers as a DM. And <sighs> they were determined to blow up the entire entire sewers with, with fire because of all the gas and whatnot going on. And I was like, No! <laughs> Because why would your – I can't remember what player character – or they were playing uh, a barbarian. It's like, why would a barbarian know this? Hmm. You can't justify it. Fuck off. Which luckily the player uh, is very understanding. They are one of those players that purposely tries to break the game, and you're going to get those kind of players, and they suck. People hmm. who are like that, they're just like, I'm here to break your game. Get the fuck out of here. Enjoy <sighs> the game. Stop trying to ruin someone else's hard work. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> They're terrible. I hate it. Terrible. Oh, I forgot. I have one more piece of advice, Spencer. Go for it. For your little brother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is possibly the hardest part, uh, and it's going to sound silly, but you need to talk to your fucking table, guys. 
Uh, you as a DM need to recognize what kind of table you want to run. Uh, I, I really like going by percentage in the sense of, hey, when I run a game, I know it's probably going to be about 80% role-playing, 20% combat. Because boy, does combat fucking bore me. It is not fun. And most of the time, I get too competitive and I want to kill everybody. And that's not fun for the <laughs> players. <laughs> so I recognize that as a flaw in myself and know that role, I will ro- run role-play heavy games. So when I invite people to play in my games, I try to let them know, hey, this is going to be very roleplay heavy. So people who have never roleplayed before, people who are uncomfortable with roleplaying will know, oh, hey, man, that's not my style. I'm more kick down the door, kill the monsters, which is a perfectly great way to play. It's just not my way of playing. Hmm. If you get a group of people together and then you're noticing, man, so-and-so's not having fun. I'm not having fun. What's going on? It might be a good time to sit down and talk and be like, hey, what can I do as a DM to make this game more fun for you? And if what they're asking for is not in your play style, be honest about it. And it's okay. You can have people leave a game group. You can ask people to leave a game group. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Be polite. Be respectful. Be understanding of what everyone's needs are going to be. And I think you're going to be fine. And I think that's Mm. really the best way to set up a game. And particularly with strangers or even really close friends, If, if you all come together and understand oh yeah, no, we're going to play this game like this mindset is going to go a lot smoother and people are going to have a lot more fun as a whole. Mm -hmm. Is that your piece on the matter? That's my piece on the matter. This one comes from the peanut gallery. Oh, that's mean. Why why on earth do you suppose (laughs) that in the Spongebob musical, Squidward (laughs) has fucking hair? What? Why Why on earth would his character have, like, this luscious fucking pompadour when it's straight up, like, a character flaw of his that he's bald? And he struggles with that. There's a Spongebob musical? Oh my god, you're so out of touch. You're right, oh my god, how dare it won, I? It won fucking i don't know which ones but it won awards at the fucking tonys all right when i like last year fuck off no it didn't yeah it totally did there was like a i was at a big party about it what a bunch of spencer cute theater girls in the other room rooting for spongebob to win best musical and i don't think it won best musical but it won something and Squidward has hair. Do you think, was it to differentiate him from different Squidwards? No, because c- like... Is it bad guy Squidward? Is, no, this, this is like honest to God Squidward. And he's like this this like tall, handsome guy with like this big blue pompadour. You're making me and fucking Google like, this. God damn it. It's like, what the fuck? Because like the whole thing is like William Fancy Son has hair. You and know it's like too another much. thing for Squidward to be jealous of. Because, like, yeah, gosh, it's terrible. Okay, so when I heard musical, I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be, like, Disney style. No, this this is a fucking Broadway musical. This is, like, real people. <clears throat> okay, I'm looking at pictures. And I think it's to establish the shape. It's not to say that he has hair. It's to establish, like, the shape of the head. I think it's stupid. What about Mr. Krabs wearing fucking boxing gloves? Well, it's because he looks like he's wearing boxing gloves in the fucking show. Yeah, but apparently we're, we're, they're not sea creatures anymore. They're fucking people. Well, they had to fucking do something. I mean, why is this? Why is this small business owner walking around wearing boxing gloves? 
You know what? He's he's a fucking Navy veteran. Like that that might be something from the war. That might be like mental illness and no one's like raising an eyebrow to it. I just I really want to talk about the fact that Pearl is obviously his sugar baby and not his daughter. Ah, uh, but like mm, mm, I don't It's a thing. It <laughs> I can't believe they managed to cast Guy Fieri as Mr. Krabs in the SpongeBob musical. <laughs> what? Thanks, that cousin eggplant. I fucking just Jesus. Google. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that's uh huh. This just looks looks like a fever dream and a half. It just looks fucking stupid, but apparently a lot of people like it. A lot of people get enjoyment out of it, so I, I won't knock it too hard for being dog shit. <laughs> for it stomping on my fucking childhood. Everything else is doing it fucking why not? All right, whatever. Let's let's get back on track here. I feel like I feel like you lost the plot there for a second. Alex. Oh, I lost the fucking plot. Yeah, let me let me find these these. Uh, you know what? I I feel like I remember them. Okay. I feel like I trust you. I feel like I have these these probably in hand. So uh, this this next question comes from our very own fucking pagan queen. <laughs> uh, how do you practice a balance between sandbox and linear storytelling? How do you give the players the ability to manipulate but stick to your story? Fucking A. I wish I had a real answer for this. I bless her for asking, because it makes it sound like I have control over anything. With with Yeah, I thoughts. So I think the referring back to before and having everyone set the table and recognize, hey oh, this is how the game's gonna play out is very important. We had to have a family meeting with Soul Story and be like, hey oh, this is how this is going to play out, maybe six months into it, a little longer than that, uh, because I felt like we were losing the plot a little bit. So mm-hmm. I strong arm my players into fucking obeying my whims, which is not something I recommend for most DMs. <laughs> I well, am lucky to have a very patient cast who's willing to deal with this bullshit. I, I think it's worth noting, and I think we talk about it in Soul Searching a lot, we have to remember that this is a show and not just a game. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other, but like we have to, we have to accept that it's both. And in that, a show isn't interesting if if we fuck off and <laughs> yeah, it, it sometimes a strong hand is necessary. And I think you know I, I have my moments. There's times where it's better than others. And you're right. It's it's. Something I'd really try to strive home or hit home with you guys too is that this isn't a normal game. There, we're trying to make a product, but outside of this, right? Outside of this little nutshell of a, an experience, I, uh, I think sometimes it's really easy to overwhelm your players with decisions, and particularly sandbox worlds. So if you are trying to force so much story into a sandbox world, there's going to be too many options. They're going to feel overwhelmed, and they're not going to know what to do. If you have no story that means when your players do find something to do that means you have no idea what's going on and you're really flying by the seat of your pants which again some dms are really good at other dms what's going to happen is that your players are going to be able to tell that you're unprepared goes back to my number one fucking tip and that's going to lose interest mm-hmm. players want to be invested in a world that you're invested in so i think that even in soul story but and in, in general what i try to do is have consequences for actions, even if they don't see it. So it might come up 
fucking months down the road in sessions. It might come up next game. But then if, if you're able to tie it back to like, hey, remember when you did that one thing? This was a direct result as of that. That will make them feel like they have some control even when there's times where like, oh, yeah, this feels pretty linear. It's like, well, actually, you had options. No one put a gun to your head and made you do that. You chose to do that path. And because of that, here are the consequences. And I, I, that also comes down to just knowing your own story. This aside from pre-con, which I, it's good to know where the pre-con's going. Usually players know that if there is a pre-constructed campaign, they tend to stay on the tracks a little bit better than on a homebrew game for some reason. But in a homebrew game, as long as you know what the fuck's going on in your world, you'll be fine. Like, let them explore, let them play about. They'll they'll find something, even if it's not exactly the thing you want them to find, and you'll be a-okay. All right. Well, um, I think we've touched on it a couple times, but the next question is, how do you format a homebrew campaign? All right. There's fucking steps. (laughs) Buckle up. Buckle up, kiddos. Step number one, as my voice cracks, 12-year-old boy. Be fucking inspired. Watch TV. Watch movies. Read books. Listen to podcasts. Read campaigns. Read campaigns from other systems. Get role-playing books from other systems. Fucking be inspired. But then, make it your own. Soul Story has direct influences from Buffy, Silent Hill, Corpse Party, Cthulhu and Friends, The Adventure Zone. But I would say for the most part, y'all probably don't know where the fuck those are. Hopefully, besides the ones I have directly pointed out in Soul Searching or otherwise. Like, they are neat little nuggets in there. Sometimes it's in the soundtrack. Sometimes it's just in a story aspect. But find those things and make it your own. It is A-okay to take a concept and be like, wow, I really enjoyed this character. I'm going to throw it in. That's fine. Sometimes your player's going to eat that shit up. If it makes you happy, fucking go for it. (sighs) If you want something that's memorable... Find that cool thing, though, and find a way to make it your own. I have no advice on that besides, oh, hey, here's this concept. What happens if I turn it on its head? What happens if they like blue instead of green? Just play with it, man. Have fun. Tinker away. Be imaginative. Go outside and play. You have the space. Enjoy it. Step number two. Have a main fucking plot. Your main plot should be something along the lines of, to save the day, X must happen. Or, you know, your story builds to X finale. Anything else that happens in between the start and the end doesn't matter because you know how you want your thing to end. And what's really important about to the, the first one, the to save the day, X must happen. This is fun because X doesn't always happen. And what happens when X doesn't happen? That is something for you to explore and for you to remember not all stories have a happy ending. I think we have a lot of cases of players expect to always win the day no matter what. I'm going to cover that in a whole other concept here. But remember, heroes don't always save the day. Sometimes shit goes sideways. In which case, you get a longer story to tell. And usually that's going to be way more fun than if they just continue chugging along and got everything they wanted. I, I will be honest. I feel like at this point, I really, really want a good ending for Jared and then evil jared timeline is way more compelling kind (laughs) of hoping that shit goes sideways you know what i have i have thoughts on that but that's not for now (laughs) that's not now 
<laughs> but that does go to say that, you know, you as a player are kind of looking forward to when shit goes sideways, right? Like, I, I, th- I think players also have to have an appreciation for an evolving story. I think, I think when you put a lot of work into something, you want it to pan out. I think if it's, if it shapes up to, and then everyone died, the end, yeah, that sucks. But I think there are compelling bad endings. Like, I I think you can tell a doomsday story that's still, maybe everyone's not satisfied, but they're entertained, even if it's like morbidly so. I think that comes down to player agency. If mm-hmm. players work super duper hard and do everything right and you as a DM are like, no, I just want a bad <laughs> ending. Fuck you. You're being a bad DM. Don't do that. Don't do a bad ending just because it's a bad ending. If your players have done all the work, reward them. However, if they have ignored multiple NPCs, if they refuse to go to that one location, if they are ignoring all the signs you're putting out there, stuff to do, that's on them. And that is okay because that means they got to play the game they wanted to play. However, that does not mean the world stops moving. In which case, a bad ending can happen because they are being too oblivious and stuck. The characters are being head up butt, which is funny as hell when they're like, oh shit, there's other stuff going on. You betcha. You bet your ass there was. Because sometimes, fucking, we see that in everyday life, you know? You're going about life, you have no control over shit, and then boom, shit happens. Off my pedestal about it. Step number three. No, it's Oh, yep. Keep going. We're I got, still in it. I got five steps for you. Step oh, number three. Great. Put in a few side quests. And when I say a few, I mean a fucking few. Do not put in more than a few. Do not put less than a few. Because they will find their own stories. They will find something to, to go achieve. And more importantly, if you plan too far in the future, you're going to come up with some really cool stuff that they're never, ever going to get to because they're going to be distracted by the fucking cardboard box instead of the cat tower you built them. Mm-hmm. Step number four, have a list of fucking NPC names. I don't care how good you are at this. It never hurts to have a list of 20 names off to the side in case they're like, hey, what's that random servant's name? So that way you don't go, uh, because you can't think of anything on the fucking spot. Because that's embarrassing. Then you can have your list right there. However, be prepared. Make sure these names are twofold. One, short, easy to remember. Two, uh, if they're short, that means they can't be shortened into a silly nickname. Uh, And then more importantly, the one NPC that you do give a silly nickname to, the players are going to want to know everything about them. Have a random NPC backstory in your pocket, not applied to anybody, so that way when they become, when they fall in love with that one NPC you had zero plans for, you have it there, right there in your back pocket. And it's going to sound really cool, like, wow, look at this NPC, or this DM coming with this NPC up on the spot. It's a lie. It's all a fucking sham. You just had that shit ready because you planned. Like the expert DMs you all are now. Plan, motherfuckers, plan. Step number five. Last step, I promise. (laughs) World build, if that's your fucking thing. It is not my thing. Even in all my quote-unquote homebrews, it's that I have this story I am forcing into this world that already exists. I am bending this world to my whim because I'm a little bit lazy. Which sounds crazy after you hear about the binder and all the NPC names and the backstories. I'm too busy doing shit already. I don't have time to make a fucking map for y'all. People who do that are super respectable and really awesome and have put a lot of love into the world that they have created. That can go as far as 
having 300 and some books like Skyrim has. It could go having the history for 100 years. It could be creating a whole deity system. It could be coming up with money. There's a lot of different ways to world build. There's no wrong way to do it. Have fun with it. But the more you know, if you're going to world build, make sure that you know it. If they come to this pocket and area and you don't know even a little bit about it, your players aren't going to be interested and they're going to focus on something else. And it's going to leave this kind of weird hole for both you and the players. So if you're going to world build, do it. Do it right. If anything's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Or at least worth doing, I suppose. That's it. <laughs> That's how you fucking make a homebrew campaign. And then you play it. And then you wish you did everything different. You scrap it. End of story. <laughs> Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I don't know. What do they want you to do? Do they want you to compare these? Do, what do they want? It's not what they want. It's, it's a topic I wanted to talk about. So, Well, then you talk about it. <laughs> Why am I here? Because I, I thought you would make fun of me more or something. I don't know. Not anymore. Not I'm, anymore. I'm past the, that. The furnace is cold. Okay. Well, I'm sorry for wasting your time, buddy. I I like this. I, you're <laughs> you're going on like me tangents about something you love, and I'm I really like it. It's real good. Okay, good. I'm glad. Uh, so clearly, DMing is something I'm passionate about, as Spencer just fucking pointed out. Um, yeah, there is something very key. I guess I could have mentioned this during the Colby question. Just like there's different play styles, there's different kinds of GMing styles. In particular. You'll often hear the DM is the narrator or the DM is the god. And I find these both to be very problematic. In the sense that neither of them are adequate enough to say what the job actually is. Because I think if you're a narrator, if you pigeon yourself as a narrator, you're not going to have any fun. Because even though you're in, quote, control, you're not. You're just rolling some dice. You're present. You're making sure they're having a good time. And I guess a sidebar to this is if that's, again, some people are into that. They just want to give to other people. Y'all are fucking crazy. God bless you. Boring to me. Like, I want to make sure everyone has a good time. I want to make sure I have fun, too. But I also think being a god GM is also problematic because a god GM's like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want. I don't care what kind of stuff you're into. I'm going to throw down all this crazy shit because I can, just to prove to you how powerful I am. Because god DMs are bullies. No one has fun at a god DM table. If you've been gaming long enough, you've probably had a god DM. And they're the fucking worst. They're boring and uninspired and just sad people. Stop it. If you're using your gaming table as a way to find power, get some fucking therapy. I, however, probably fall under the god category. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I say this because I do have my crazy stories and my crazy plans. And I get really upset when I'm like, man, look at the story I spent fucking weeks crafting just ignored. Completely ignored. And so, I work hard not to be a god DM. Uh, And Soul Story isn't always my best example of that. Where you can tell, I think there's times with Moose where he's like, He's talking in character, but very tongue-in-cheek, where it's because I'm forcing him to to, to fucking proceed with the story, even though that's not how he would want to proceed with the story. Because otherwise, we have five episodes of us hanging out at a bar doing nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Which is great for character development. But boy, do you guys get bored of that. And what that really kind of translates to is that's a whole day hanging out at a bar. Again, that's fine for some people. Most time, people want a little bit more out of that. I learned 
the I, I did a volunteer experience where I was working with kids and they were middle schoolers and I knew there was no way I was going to plan something for fucking middle schoolers. They're hellions and they wouldn't listen to anything I'd said anyways. So I had something completely off the cuff and it probably was one of my better campaigns. Am I going to do it again? Not anytime soon. Because wow, was I uncomfortable. But sometimes it's good to do the things that make you uncomfortable. This goes back to finding a balance with like the, the sandbox and the linear storytelling. Just be aware. Be aware if you are forcing your story on players when they're not enjoying it. Be aware if your players are taking advantage of the opportunity you're giving them. It should be a shared experience. It shouldn't be just you serving them or them serving you. Hmm. That was all the questions. But Alex, my dear friend, with your <laughs> cool-ass fucking sick lady voice, <laughs> do you have any any at all parting words for our for our aspiring game masters <laughs> i'm going to say game ma- okay i feel like i feel like i slurred at the end there i'm going to retake that okay. i think i said game master <laughs> and i i feel like i feel like the audience would let that slide I'm not gonna let it slide. <laughs> oh, none of us so will let that slide. Holy let's, shit! Let's do it again. Okay, yeah. Let's please do it again. Yeah. So, Alex, my my friend, my pal, mm-hmm. do you have any parting words for our aspiring game masters? All I'm hearing is game masters. It's so bad. <laughs> it's, I should say something else. Nope. It's what done. What am I doing? I <laughs> it's too late. It's done. My last words of advice. Being a game master is fucking hard. If you're doing it right, it should be hard. It should be worth it, but it's going to be hard. Whether it is creating a story from scratch or creating a dungeon with endless monsters and keeping track of all the hit points and all the initiatives and everything that comes with the awful thing of combat, being a DM is hard. Don't let anyone else tell you it's anything different because they're doing it. They're not doing it right. (laughs) Hot take. However, it is worth it. And what I would say is that even though it's hard work, anyone can do it. If you want to provide a really awesome game experience for your table, you can be a DM. I would suggest if you're DMing, new DMs, old GMs, whatever, fuck it. If you're running a game, important things to keep in mind. Stay hydrated. When I'm running Soul Story and anything else I'm recording, I have at least three drinks on hand. Usually something hot, usually something cold, usually something boozy. That is pretty traditional, even when I'm at a table DMing, because I get thirsty and you want to stay hydrated. Eat before people show up. They're going to bring snacks. You don't want to get shit all over your shit. You also don't want to be eating shitty snack food. You want brain food. Be smart. Eat carrots and stuff. Eat a full meal. Even better, eat a full meal before you DM, because DMing is hard work. Lastly, practice self-care, y'all. If you feel like you're getting a little tired of being DM, take a break. Take a break as soon as you get that bug, because you, what you don't want to happen is to experience DM burnout, be mid-campaign, and never come back to it. You'll be bummed about it. Your players will be bummed about it. It won't be a fun time. It is okay for you to tell your players, man... I'm just a little worn out. It's been a rough week. They'll fucking understand. 
And if they're anything like me, as introverts are, they'll be really excited some plans got canceled. That's it. That's all I got. I'm tired. And I'm sick. It's got a lot sassier than I wanted it to be, but it's fucking there. I, mm, I liked it a lot. <laughs> Spencer, thank you for doing this last minute with me. I, I was I was happy to do so. I was I was able to use this as an excuse to get out of plans. <laughs> I was able to. Oh, it, was, it was great. Yeah, I got to I got to hear you go on like crazy sassy rants <laughs> and your fucking sick voice. Ugh, ugh. It's just the perfect evening, right? It it really is. I don't I don't know what I was doing before this. <laughs> Every night should be like this. But can I not be sick though? I mean, if you want to take this away from me, I guess, you know, whatever. I thrive on your pain, Spencer. We know this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any DM questions for me? Do I? I don't know. Um, Anything come up while you're listening to me rant? I don't know. Like, I feel like I've done the whole DMing thing in very flawed ways that I think you covered. Um, <laughs> I got DM burnout. And I just fucking canceled. I pushed myself a little too far. I do uh, homebrews because I like writing and I like world building. And then I build this big crazy world and I don't want them fucking with it. So I just, <laughs> I make a world that's like more like a novel that I want to write rather than a fucking thing that I want them to fuck with. Yeah. I'll get like way too attached to like, like, I, I try. I try to do the thing of, uh, oh, you know, not that many. Like, if they go this way, there'll only be, like, this many side quests. And, um, you know, they're they're going to get more attached to the bartender than then any character I write. So do minimum details and blah, blah, blah. Are you playing vampires still, right now? I'm not. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Do you wish that I was? No, I hear you clicking in the background. I'm like, what's he playing? I'm, I'm clicking stuff away. I'm not oh, playing, okay. I promise. I was I totally expecting you. it. <laughs> Man, I, I've I've been in and out of like looking at things. Okay. But it's uh, okay. Keep going. Yeah, no, I, I run into a lot of um DMing problems where it's like building this world that you don't want them to touch and not even not wanting them to touch, but just the world is more the focus than the players and wanting the players to have too much freedom, um, which again is not always the best thing because they, they might not be that interesting. I, I think that's a problem I run into a lot is you can give your players a lot of freedom, but if you're not shoving stuff in their face, sometimes, sometimes they will just spend all day in a bar Sometimes they will just look to pick fights and pick up a few odd jobs. And it's like, you know what? I know you saw that there was a $10 reward for that missing cat, but I just said that. I didn't actually intend for this to be a quest. Can you get back to the dragon? Can <laughs> the you cool do that thing? for me? It's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you have a lot more experience with it. I think you covered everything that I would have had questions about. Okay. Just, yeah. Talking about what bad DMs do. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Everyone is a bad DM when they start out. I am still not a great DM. I've been doing this since I was fucking 15. So, you know, recognize your flaws, y'all. Embrace them. Warn people. 
give them a give them some advance warning on it. People are pretty <laughs> chill if you at least let them know what's up. Oh goodness. All right. Man, well do we have wait, we already did final words. So what do we have left? Nothing. We're just hanging out now. That's awesome. I like that a whole bunch. Yeah, me too. Let's go hang out. Probably makes for less than interesting audio. That's a whole other podcast. All right. <laughs> well, thank you again, Spencer. Thank let's go, you. Let's go thank play you some for having me. Vampires of the Masquerade, eh? Let us fucking do that. All right. Say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Hey there, gorgeous. Thanks for listening to us today. And if you like this episode, why don't you go ahead and subscribe? Might as well rate and review us while you're at it. Now, if you're looking for updates, you can find us at soulstorypod.com. In case you were looking to stay in touch, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at soulstorypod. Now, if you wanted to keep in touch with all of us folks personally, you can find us on Twitter. You can find Moose at Moosifo, Spencer at Spare Bear the Meek, the lovely man who plays yours truly, Albert Long, at Hot Bam with three M's, Logan at KOTL of the Light, and Alex at Roll for Alex. And as always, I'm your Huckleberry.